morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You are with the double L team, Lyle and... Lawson. Lawson. Ask me what I'm thankful for this what morning. What are you thankful for this morning, Lyle? I am thankful you are wrong. What do you mean? Because just, you're, you're just wrong. What about? You're just wrong. Like, let's, what, <laughs> let, let's do this outside. Bro. Text me. Okay, all right. Let's let's just take this outside the studio. We'll, we'll, we'll get this sorted out, right? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> we'll go and do some uh, uh, some some bonding prayer. activities. Some prayer. Yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Text messages that came in last, after the show yesterday. Lyle is right. About? New Zealand is a bunch of islands much easier to isolate than an entire continent with states. Okay. An entire continent <laughs> with states. That is also an island. But it's a continent. Yeah. Okay, so here's the, so I did some research. I did some research. Uh-huh. Oh, here comes, okay, here, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. All right. So I did some research. And on a uh when if you, you obviously you, you can't really compare a continent with an archipelago, but if we're going to go down the crazy path and compare a continent with an archipelago, then on that basis, uh, New Zealand has a, an infection rate that is three times higher than Australia, which we kind of mentioned yesterday. But because you can't compare a continent with an archipelago, I thought to myself, you know what? We actually have a state that is comparable to New Zealand. We do. Yes. Is it Tasmania? Tasmania. Yeah, yes. okay. So I looked at Tasmania. And if you can compare it with Tasmania, New Zealand still has an infection rate three times higher than Tasmania. Yeah, but it has a higher population density. Yeah, no, it's, just, no, it's, it's got, got a higher relevant. population irrelevant, density. Irrelevant. No, Tasmania's got a similar population density to New Zealand. Uh, Mate, this is this is, <laughs> this is a farce. Come on. <laughs> You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Hey, what was that thing that you said about Tasmania and COVID? That they had like three, New Zealand had three times more COVID than Tasmania. Yes, that's right. Yeah, um, an infection rate three times higher. Well, okay, check this out. Um, yeah, three times. New high. Zealand literally has three times the population density. <laughs> you know, it's just like well, yep. Which maybe you're sitting there and it's like, oh, it doesn't matter. It's a percentage anyway. But COVID is exponentially worse the higher the population density is. Like, this is something that we know. This is something that's true of okay, every well, infectious I'm gonna, disease. Okay. Right. Yeah, come up, come at me with some real stuff, Lyle. <laughs> what, what, is, what is this? I'm going to say this. Stop playing these games. A massive continent that is sparsely populated is much more challenging to protect its borders. What What do you mean? <laughs> Literally a massive... Yeah, I would agree with you if we were Europe... But we're not Europe. We're an island. Like <laughs> nothing can continent. even get in. We're a continent. Anyway, <sighs> I think Wilson probably wins this. What? One. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Admit it. Admit it to the people. I still say Australia's the gold standard. Anyway, we oh. have done well. We are blessed to live in this country. We have nothing Amen. to complain about. So Amen. praise God. Amen. I was actually I was talking to some, to some friends from the states last night, and oh, I said something about going out, and they were like. What do you mean? I'm like, oh, yeah, COVID doesn't exist. Oh, no, I told them that I didn't have my vaccine. Yes. They were like, because this, this girl was telling me she's like met a boy and she's like, oh, yeah, you know, I want to start hanging out with him, but not until we both have our vaccine. And I'm like, wow, that's a really high standard. And she's from the States. She's like, oh, what do you mean? Like, that's a really high standard. Like, 
you can't go outside if you don't have the vaccine. And I was like, oh, okay. In Australia, we just do whatever we want. Like, I think it varies <laughs> tremendously from one state to another. Yeah. It, that uh, is true. She, yeah. She's in, um, like, Massachusetts, which right. is a bit of a hot zone. Yep. So, fair enough. Anyways, let's have a look at some uh, good news stories. Okay, I read the cutest thing this morning. This is really awesome. Um, so... Essentially, uh, marine biologists in New Zealand, by the way, uh, were, you know, going around and, and doing some research and whatnot. They're in the area of, um, let me see here. They're in, like up in North New Zealand and they saw that a bottlenose dolphin had adopted a pilot whale. Like a baby pilot no whale and way. was marrying it. Now, this isn't a very uncommon thing, right? A dolphin, like mother dolphins opti- often adopt other species of like water mammals. But really? the thing is, yeah, this is actually. I oh, had, I never knew that. But cha- the, the thing is, is that they would never expect it because like, you know, a bottlenose dolphin reaches about 300 kilos. This is about a 300 kilo bottlenose dolphin. Yes. Um, but pilot whales are like often reach and are six meters long and weigh like two and a half tons. Um, so and, is the baby bigger than the adopted mother? Oh, way mother? bigger. So much bigger. So how does the mother even know that it's a baby to adopt it? Well, because guess, wouldn't it look at it and go, well, that's bigger than well, me, so therefore it must be an adult. Uh, like, dolphins are really smart. They're, they're mammals. They're so intelligent. And and I guess it just picked so up, like, oh, this is just, you know, inexperienced baby baby whale. And so it just, like, swims around with the whale and they hang out together and, you know, clean each other and get each other They're fishing together. Dude, it's the best thing ever. I was like, that this is, is incredible. So cool. Dolphins are amazing. You know, some of the, like... I'd love to have a pet dolphin. I'd mm. love to have a pet crow. There's a few really intelligent creatures out there that would be absolutely amazing to have as a pet. Mm. Well, the thing that they, like, hypothesize is that the, this, like, dolphin, because they've just come across it, like, as it's happened, and they're like, oh, maybe this dolphin dolphin mother has, like, lost its calf or something like that. But, yeah, it's just hanging out. I'm like, this is so epic, bro. Um. Anyways, let's read some other quick news. Oh, uh, massive floods going on in Lake Charles in Louisiana at the moment. And I come across this story where the, uh, the Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries Enforcement Agency. So these guys who go out and make sure that people aren't like fishing in the wrong spots and protecting the wildlife, they mobilized, uh, sorry, they mobilized 11 of their agents in different like, Boats and basically drove around the streets collecting people. Uh, so the um, so the water levels come up by like a foot. Yeah, they've had flash like massive flooding. Like because all you have to have is about a foot of water on Lake Charles, and it and floods. It's gone, bro. Like, it's gone. The highest this- the highest point of uh, of Louisiana is only five hundred feet above sea level. Yeah, this place floods all the time. Yes. Like, it is so susceptible. Yeah, yeah, they've picked up so far. This is an ongoing thing. They've picked up a hundred and seven people. In their boat. It's not a bad effort. Yeah, I'm like, good on you. They're just flying around. Because this isn't a small area. You know, we saw the same thing uh, happening during the floods we had here recently yes. uh, in Southwest Rocks. But there's like, like I don't know, like 100 people who live there in total or, or like a little bit more. Yes. But whereas this is like a full-scale rescue operation for the, the citizens of, you know, uh, this area of Southeast Lake Charles, where the, the guys, the, the agents are just getting around on their boats and they're just picking people up. 
That's amazing. The great thing about Louisiana, of course, is that most people actually have their own boat to self-rescue with. Well, a lot of people do anyway. There's mm. a lot of there's waterways everywhere. There's bayous. There's lakes. Yeah. It's very low-lying land. There is massive swamps, and a lot of people are able to self-rescue mm. because it's like, well, I just jump in my boat and we'll head on down the street. Unfortunately, like Lake Charles is an area with, you know, and Louisiana in general has a lot of poverty in it. Yes. Like a lot of poor people who don't have access to that kind of stuff. And so that's really the areas that they're targeting, you know, apartment complexes and, uh, you know, what they what they call like projects, housing commission, all these kinds of things, where you know the d- disadvantaged people won't be able. And those to get people, out. those people don't have a means of self rescue at yeah, all. Yeah, they're like you know they're in like boxes basically. Like yep. yeah, very 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 uh, disadvantaged. And so yeah, it's just epic to see like there's just cool photos that have come out of them, out of like you know they're driving down the street with people in the boat and picking kids up from like shops and all this stuff in their boats. I'm like wow, what a good effort! Like it makes me so happy. Also that it's coming from the Department of Wild life and fisheries as Need well. To go shopping, so let's go get my tinny. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Anyway, that's the good news for this morning. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. 100%. All right, Lyle. Well, okay, what's okay, happening? First Amendment in the United States, of course, enshrines freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of religion. It is the envy of the world. Mm-hmm. The envy of freedom-loving people around the world. Now, of course, this particular amendment was enshrined in the Constitution by ex-British people. Mm -hmm. These people were British subjects until uh, the War of Independence, the United States War or the American Revolution, where they threw off British rule and placed this in their constitution, and they had good reason to do so because the United States had been founded as a nation by people who were fleeing from religious persecution, primarily from religious persecution in Britain. Mm. So I'll give you an example. Uh, William Penn founded the state of Pennsylvania. He had previously been jailed for life. Wow in Newgate Prison in the UK. Uh, he was placed under the death sentence, after, after being jailed for life, he was placed under the death sen- sentence for writing a tract about religious liberty and preaching without a licence from the Anglican Church. Yikes. Now, you might wonder, well, how did he actually get out of that? Uh, it's an interesting story and it's kind of a long story, but basically uh, when the jury came in, the judge told them that they would not be allowed to read the law that he had broken and that they would not be allowed to hear any defence and the prosecution gave its case and the jury was then told that they were required to find a guilty verdict. (laughs) They got their backs up and they refused to do so and so the entire jury was thrown in jail um, and told by the, to quote, uh, by the judge, you shall go together and bring in another verdict or you shall starve. They were each one of the wow. jury members were fined a year's wages. One of the one of the jury members was a really wealthy guy, owned a shipping company, and he was threatened with uh, the loss of all of his possessions until they brought in a guilty verdict and they stood firm and they was like, no. We are not bringing in a guilty verdict. We know he has broken the law, but as a jury we find that the law, we first judge the law before we judge the person, and that's still the role of a jury. Most people don't realise that. You judge the law before the person, and because the law is unjust, then the person is 
free. And he was he was set free and went to the United States and founded, you know, Pennsylvania. And so it was a reaction to these wow. kinds of things that were taking place in Britain that freedom of religion became a thing in the world today. Mm. Well, Prince Harry's waded into the debate, made this interesting statement. Uh, let me see right here. This was uh, in an interview with Dax Shepard on the podcast, uh, Armchair Expert. He says, I've got so much to... S- so much I want to say about the First Amendment, uh, First Amendment, as I sort of understand it, but it is bonkers. Okay, when I because uh, I read this yes. as well, and I thought it, I'm like, oh, did he accidentally like mean the Second Amendment? No, he, no, means, the first he amendment. means the First Amendment. I don't want to start going down the First Amendment route because it's such a huge subject, and I don't understand because I've only been here a short time. But you can find a loophole in anything. Ooh, now. Um, yeah, okay, so I I hate it when people do that, by the way. This is just me, right? This is just me. I, I like the royal family as a general rule. I think the queen is amazing um, and kind of like immortal. She just never seems to... <laughs> she doesn't age. She doesn't age. She doesn't get ill, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, you know, you know, but that's just my opinion. And I also supported Harry when he broke out and went on his own. I'm like, you know, everybody has the right to find a path that is going to bring mm. them freedom and we should stop commenting on it and just let them be. Yeah, 100%. But when you're a guest in another country and you call the Constitution one of the, probably the greatest amendment that there is in any Constitution in the world and you call it bonkers because you don't understand it and you've only been there a short time, okay, that to me just... Yeah. Also, not elaborating because he knows that, like, this is my, he's like, I don't want to get into it because it's a big topic. It's like, no, you just don't want to give your actual opinion and then be held accountable when people rip you to shred, to shreds. It would be be well worth Harry to uh, study a little bit of history and to gain an, an understanding of the country that he's lived in. I lived in the United States for three years. It's a great country. And I studied a lot of US history while I was there because, well, that's kind of what you do when you're in a country. When we were in Ethiopia, I studied a whole bunch of Ethiopian history. It was amazing. Mm. But anyway, um, Billy Graham's come out and said, my ancestors were among those who came to this country to gain these freedoms Mm. from the UK. I'm so thankful that we have the freedom to worship without government interference, and I thank God that the founders of our constitution gave us this protection. Mm. Maybe Prince Harry could take some time while he is in this country to study our history, and I think he will come to appreciate that the First Amendment is part of what makes America great and one of the main reasons people have left everything to come here throughout history. Mm. It's kind of one of the reasons why a whole bunch of people left the UK. And, okay, yes, Prince Harry is in good company because one of his ancestors, King George III, had pretty much similar things to say about the US Constitution. Yeah, wow. And sent an army over there because of that and kind of got his butt kicked mm. quite severely by a bunch of colonials. Mm. Anyway, dude, I'd just like to say, like, we 100%, like, we, I, it is very unlikely that we would exist today as Christians if it were not for America. I, yes. And America inventing a thing called religious liberty. Yeah. We wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be. There wouldn't be faith FM. There wouldn't be anything. Anyways, anyway, let's let's right. some more stories. Uh, this one, I'm going to have to cover this one fast. The ABA, the Australian Bro- Breastfeeding Association. 
All right. Seven councillors have been accused of a harassment and intimidation and uh, uh, placed under a three-month investigation uh, because they used the word mother instead of parent. When they were referring to themselves, by the way. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, this is and the, the American... No, the Australian, Australian Breastfeeding, Breastfeeding Association. Association. They used the word mother. And by the way, that's in support of the Constitution of the Australian Breastfeeding Association, which also uses the word mother. Uh-huh. Um, and this was because some other volunteers who were there reported feeling unsafe because they'd used the word mother, uh, bullied, harassed and intimidated. Okay, now Harriet, one of the uh, one of these councillors has spoken out and it was just simply a Facebook post where she referred to herself as a mother. And that's bullying, harassment, intimidation and making people feel unsafe. Um, she described the three-month investigation as three months of hell. Yeah, fair enough. So who's being bullied, harassed and intimidated right here and forced to say something that they don't even believe in? This is against... Like, because I, I'm assuming, like, this is on the preface of, you know, uh, LGBT ideology and, and not having, yes. being against gender norms. You, this is you, against you, that ideology. Of course it is. Because you, you, the, the point is, is that you have to, you know, like, you have to give everyone the ability to identify as they like. Okay, so there were others who shared information on this online. They got fired for it. Um, and the, um, and there were, there were others who, you know, would, dealing with, you know, self-harm and suicidal thoughts and so forth. And, you know, this is just one simple Facebook uh, post. One of these one of these people that was was um, put under investigation has 35 years' experience. Between the seven, they have 110 years of experience between them. And suddenly, they just use the word mother and bang, they are gone. This is a crazy That's world. terrible. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia. Joining us in the studio this morning is Darren Pratt. Darren, welcome to the studio. Good to be back again. Darren, it's been a while. Uh, We do always appreciate whenever you come in and particularly the information that you share in relationship to children. So how many years have you been in children's ministry now? It was my 17th year, I think, in children's ministries. 17 years in children's ministries, so I would gather that, yeah, you know a bit about children's ministry after all of this time. I enjoy it. I, I think if you enjoy your job, you're halfway there, and I'm passionate about children, about families, about reaching families and um, empowering families and love reading in that area. So most books that come out, both... um. In our religious bookstores and in our secular bookstores, I'm all over it, reading them and enjoying the content and thinking about what that means for us as parents and our children. And recently you were part of a program called Big Camp, which is a very, very large uh, gathering of uh, Christian people. They get together for about a week and have a uh, camp meeting, an old-style camp meeting, where you ran an intergenerational tent. So in the past, worship services tend to get divided up between adults' church and kids' church. Whereas you ran an intergenerational uh, event. Yes, this was the first time in years, I guess, that um, there's been such a tent that brings all the families together in the one spot, um, worshipping together. There's so much research around the power of um, when families worship together, the effect it has on the children spiritually, but not just that, on the adults and the mentors. It um, grows 
everyone up spiritually when they worshipped together. So it was powerful to see everyone in the campground coming together for um, the evening programs, and the families loved it. And the oldies loved it. Praise God. Okay, so uh, we need to get to our main topic that we're going to be talking about today. And this all started off with a organization on the dark web that was taken down in Germany. Uh, three people arrested in Germany, another one in Paraguay, that were running a child pornography site. Uh, this was a site that had been operating for two years. Within that time, it had managed to garner 400,000 subscribers which is just absolutely massive. How does that happen in such a short space of time? They were able to arrest these guys, break up the ring. We uh, hope that they um, throw them in jail, throw the key away and forget that they exist. It's kind of hard to imagine that, you know, people would perpetrate abuse on such a level. But it started a bit of a conversation here in the studio around, you know, some of the more innocent things like, say, or apparently innocent things like, you know, social media and TikTok and so forth, which is where a lot of child pornography actually starts starts and Lawson who is my co-host he didn't have TikTok and he's like oh yeah it's all over TikTok and so he just stands in front of me downloads TikTok onto his joins phone it. <laughs> joins TikTok uh, the first video that comes up is innocuous the second one is pornography yeah the third one is pornography yep and it's just like okay and our kids are on this not only that but we as parents do things today that are very innocent that we have always done that we do without even thinking. For instance, you know, when I was a kid, we would go on holiday, we would take holiday photos. We would take holiday photos at the beach, going for a swim in the back pool, whatever it might be, and put them in a photo album that might be, get dragged off the shelf once or twice a year. These days we post them up on social media and suddenly they are gleaned off of social media and end up on child pornography sites. Do we need to be changing the way we live our lives? I think um, we need to be very careful about what we do put on social media um, because the enemy has plans for our children. The question is, do we? And whilst an album is kept privately, once you put any sort of photo up on the web, it's public. Um, no matter what your lockdowns you've got, people can get to them and find those photos. Um and, and then start using them for nefarious... Yeah, well, with Photoshop these days, that, they can do anything with them. Um, they, they just need the basics, and, and those that want to do something untoward can can dot to those images, and before you know it... And I've, I've talked to parents who've had these their images taken and used like this, and it's very um distressing, um, and it's pretty hard to get rid of it once it's up there because, of course, That's it impossible. goes into the dark web, and the dark web is... um pretty hard to get into and pretty hard to um, actually control or um, it's, it's really um, based on being anonymous. And and these can be, you know, reproduced, you know, thousands of times a second. How are you ever going to track it all down? Pornography is just rampant on the internet. And um, when I was a kid, um, pornography wasn't, I didn't see pornography as a kid. You had to go into yeah, a news agent. Yeah. You had to buy the magazine and... You're too embarrassed <laughs> to do that. You were. Well, you weren't allowed to anyway. Yeah, but the issue back then is um, what was what they call soft porn. It wasn't anything... It, it was naked women and that's bad enough. Yes. But the pornography that our kids have been exposed to today is what you call violent porn. And um, yes. kids are taking their sexual script from these sorts of videos that they're seeing on social media and thinking that's what sex is all about. So when they get married, um, they think it's normal to have violent sex, which affects both the woman and the man because it's, they don't know what sex is really meant to be. Yeah, I can remember back in the day when I had the talk, 
with my yep. boys and talked to them about sex and, you know, gave them their basic sex education. Um, you know, you, you go into the basics and you just assume that, you know, sex is going to be something that is when they get married is, or is going to be romantic and it's tender and they're going to learn as a couple how to become really great at sex, all yep. that kind of thing. What That's I didn't do at the time was tell them, okay, these things are things that your wife is never going to want to do and these things are abuse. I didn't say those kinds of things because I didn't expect that there would be somebody else who would come along and give my kids an alternative sex education that I would know nothing about and that's what's happening in our world. And that's the problem is that um, if your child has a mobile phone and the thing is most parents these days give their old smartphone to their kids or if not an uncle or an auntie, your kids have a smartphone. Often it's before the age of 11, um, a lot younger age, and you can guarantee if your child has a smartphone or access to a smartphone that they've been exposed to pornography, not just pornography, violent pornography. You can almost guarantee it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's um, the world in which we live today. And I think that a lot of us did it quite innocently because we had dumb phones, you know, the old flip phones and that kind of stuff. <laughs> and when we went to the smartphone, we handed, you know, our dumb phone to the kids because it was nice to be able to have a sense of security when they're at school uh, or at a friend's place or whatever to be able to call them. That's and then right. when our smartphones died out, we just handed that onto the kids and they became instantly way better at using that smartphone than what we were and the moment that you hand a child a smartphone you have handed them unlimited access and this is what parents need to understand you have handed them unlimited access to the most violent and abusive material that there is on the planet that's right well david gillespie in his book teen brain you can buy it on any good bookstore it's a he's an australian he does research on things that concern him and his wife said you better research this one he says if he had his way He'll throw all these devices in the bin because basically you can't do that because we live in a world where they exist. So he said, and if you're, if you stop your kids having a smartphone, they will access the stuff on their friend's phone at school. So you can't stop it from happening. It's, it's going to happen. Um, but he said, we don't hand our kids cigarettes. We don't hand our kids alcohol. We don't hand our kids drugs, but we are handing them a drug in the form of a smartphone and we are paying for it. And, and he says that we are priming our kids for lifelong addiction through the use of smartphones, whether it's the, the tweets, for, especially for females. They love the tweets and the likes and the, um, the heart emojis and things come up on their, their content. Or for boys, it's what they call um, danger porn through gaming, um, where the idea of almost dying in, in virtual world and then almost winning each time is addictive, and this idea of danger porn is what is getting our boys. So, recent news item where you find Mark Zuckerberg creating a version of Instagram for kids who are 13 and under. Is this really a good idea? Should we be creating Instagram for kids to use, a kid's version of a social media? That's a bad idea. I mean, talking back to TikTok, which is where we started, um, it's a... Well, it used to be called Musical.ly. Um, originally, it was lip-syncing um, video where you lip-sync to music. All nice and teens yeah, love yeah. it. Yeah, innocent. Great but stuff. But then China, China bought the whole idea of the platform and then they turned into TikTok. Now, TikTok is... Um, they've got parenting controls in there. But most kids know the way around those. And most predators... A whole lot easier than what... 
you know, the parents do. Yeah, that's right. If you want to get your phone fixed, ask a 12-year-old and they'll fix it for you. They know more about it than we do. It's the first generation where our kids know more about something than the parents do. And, and that's of concern. But you can just fake your age. And either if you want to be a predator and get access to their kids, you can fake your age, create a profile, and you're in there. Um, and they're very good at doing that. Or a child can fake that they're um, older than 13 and they're in there as well. Um, so but this idea of a place for children to be is, how are you going to place that? That's the issue. Um, and it's all about money. Now, TikTok's problem is, as Lawson found out, it looks at your profile and what age you say you are and if you're a male or a female, and it throws content at you. And as soon as you're a male, then you must be interested in women and must be interested in pornography. So it throws um, women and pornography and all that stuff at you. And you've got to swipe it so you don't want to see it. You've got to teach the... How many times do you have to swipe off the pornography before the pornography stops coming. Talking to someone who's recently said it takes ages. Um, it's like so you're getting So you're getting bombarded. So you, you're, you're a young man full of testosterone being yeah. bombarded with uh, pornography on a TikTok platform and you've got to just be, you know, for months swiping off for pornography yeah. before it will switch off the pornography. Yeah, but talking to someone, I was talking to someone just recently on the weekend and said I'm going on Faith FM to talk about this and they said, well, the problem is... You might say you're a male and you get all these untoward videos of um, naked women, but then if you keep swiping left, it assumes, oh, you're not into women, you must be into men, you must be... must be. Um, so then it starts throwing gay porn at you. Yes. Yeah, so he said you can't win. Um, and this is all about the owners of this, the big businesses that is owning this, all about making money and selling advertising and, you know, getting people to look at content. Well, it's, it's about money. It's also about addiction. The teen brain, um, because of the way it's designed, what's happening in the teen brain with them is basically moving from childhood brain to adult brain. And so during the teen years, um, there's a neurotransmitter called GABA, um, which is an inhibitor or breaking system in the brain. Now, for most of us, we say, I don't like that. Um, and you get rid of it, and or you played for long enough, it's time to stop. You what, look at your phone for a while, say, "Oh no, I'm sick of it." And you move on. Your, your gabba kicks in and says, "There's more important things to do." For children, that neurotransmitter comes off. There is no breaking system for um, children, so they will look at this stuff and they don't think about the fact, "Oh, that this is bad," because their brain's not designed to do that. Their brain's just designed to. Um, look at stuff and think about stuff and as you said the testosterone's flowing and um, the boys are turning into men and our, our girls turning into women and the brain is actually um, being hardwired um, the neurotransmitters it's pruning off what has not been used and it's turning on or hardwiring what has been used to make the brain more efficient. Now, that's a, that's a layman's term. You can go and read this in any good teen brain book and read what's going on here. But what they're saying is that as a person thinks, so they will be. And the Bible says that. It does. It does. <laughs> yeah, so what you think in your head is what you will actually be and do. Yeah, well, um, this has now been backed up by the brain science um, in the last 10, 20 years with um, the, the brain imaging. They've been able to look at this and see what's going on. And so... If our teenagers are getting exposed to stuff on a regular basis, then they're going to find themselves um, prone to addiction, not just to pornography or to gaming, but to other things for life. 
um, not the way the brain's wiring. Now, now God's made the brain to be um, very plastic, but you'd rather have the right pathways laid down during the teenage years than have this sort of content um, being thrown at our kids 24-7. As I said, they don't stop looking at it because um, the brakes aren't there. We have to parent. This is a big thing. We have to parent, especially during the teenage you need to lean in rather than lean away from and make sure that we are in that space alongside our children, journeying with them through those teenage years. You know, we sort of uh, had our children during that experimental generation where we didn't know any of this information. That's right. You know, it was it was emerging technology and we were using it ourselves. We were passing it on to our children. We weren't seeing the dangers involved in it. We did see some of the dangers, and so, you know, we had a rule in our home that there was no screens, you know, allowed anywhere but in the living the living rooms. Great you know, rule. You didn't, you didn't take any kind of screens to your bedroom or anything like that, which was a great rule. We still handed our kids smartphones without even stopping to think about it because what harm can a smartphone do? You know, it's our old smartphone. You know, the battery on it's not that great anymore. We've upgraded, handed it on to the kids. It's great to be able to uh, be able to talk to them whenever we need to. And But now we know better. That's right, and I think... Um, I, the thing is, what made me start to wake up was that Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates and some of those um, Silicon Valley type of gurus don't let their kids have a smartphone, don't let them have access um, unparented on the World Wide Web. They know the dangers, and yet these are the guys that are marking this stuff, and and um, they design these um phones so that they are addictive so you want to be on them that that they've done the science they know what to do and if you get the teenagers on this stuff you've got them for life and yeah i think not allowing phones in the bedroom is a good start yes and as you say there's you know you can't protect your kids from everything that's never going to happen i mean even in the world that i grew up in you know where the uh the pornography was the dirty magazines that you buy from the news agent they still turn up you know from at school from time to time um, and, you know, my parents were unable to protect me from everything there was in the world, but we do what we can as parents. That's the important thing. I think so, and um, setting some rules around technology, but also um, the research says that every hour spent online, um, the brain is hardwiring, and there's actually um, what they call delta fos B that actually um, reduces the plasticity of the brain and increases the addiction. So every hour, that's going up. Um, but if you can allow for one hour online and two hours then offline, preferably outside or playing board games or similar, then that reduces the addictive tendencies of what that hour did to your child. So you need to um, make sure there's a lot of offline activity happening um, for every hour online. So we were just chatting with a young family last night that uh, stayed over at our place. They've got three kids, um, toddlers, They've just moved out the bush and, you know, one of the questions I asked, like, oh, you know, you're setting up this new place. I think they're living in a shed at the moment. You're sort of doing it tough as you do when you're sort of starting off. And uh, just a normal question that you ask these days, they're living out the bush. You've got internet there yet, you know? Mm -hmm. What is internet like in the bush? And like, yeah, we're not actually going to worry about it. In fact, we're moving down to one phone and we probably won't get it connected. I I love it. I I just suddenly (laughs) thought, man, these these kids are going to have... A, a lifestyle similar to what you and I had growing up. Yes, which was what you might call free-range parenting. Yes. <laughs> they're, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're shared where they're living in their house when they build it. You know, it's uh, over a kilometre from the main road. Um, they're, they're, they're out there in the bush and they're doing their thing and their kids are just roaring around outside doing what 
kids outside do and they're like oh we can't believe the amount of dirt that comes out of their clothes when we throw it in the washing machine <laughs> yeah yeah and the thing is that the broken arms never hurt anyone or broken legs i'm um, building tree houses and forts and that sort of thing exploring um, getting lost and found again that's my childhood um yes. it was basically come home when the lights and when you see the street lights come on down in the distance or the stars get dark that's that's the time to come home <laughs> or when you get hungry <laughs> indeed that's right when you get hungry our parents never worried about us staying out too long because at some particular point we would get hungry um but we don't have that's not the world that the average person is going to have these days you know these parents have made a specific um i guess effort to have that but not everybody can do that today, uh, but we can do what we can in the environment that we are in, and I think it's important that we do so. Yes, I think variety, balance and moderation is key here um, in making sure that your child does have a healthy diet um, in technology. Uh, if you want to phone in or email in, I can send you some booklets I've written around technology. Um, my newest one just released at our big camp was Tweens, Teens and the Power of Authentic Parenting. Okay, so give us a call right now, 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491-064-669. If you would like a copy of Darren's latest book um, on, what was that title again? It was Tweens, Teens and the Power of Authentic Parenting. What I try and do is I know that we're busy parents, so I read the research. Yes. Then I condense into a little booklet. So it's, um, you can read it probably about, I don't know, 20 minutes, half an hour to an hour. And I put the emotion there you need to know. Yes. What it means yes. to be an authentic parenting in the digital world and what's happening in the teen brain and how we can parent in that. So. Okay. And finally, I want to talk about the issue of how we act on social media because there's two issues there. One is protecting our children. Should we ever post up in today's world photos of our children? Um, or are we moving towards, I mean, we, we moved away in our churches. We don't hug children anymore and these kinds of things because of, you know, a history of abuse. Now we're finding that our photos are being ripped off the internet, then photoshopped so that, you know, our children that were doing very innocent things are now naked all over the internet. Um, you can still do your own photo albums. You can still do your own scrapbooking. You can still get a Polaroid, and Polaroids actually are coming have a comeback at the moment, where you can take that snapshot and watch it develop and and stick it into your your photo album. So you can still keep your memories. That's right, without giving them to pedophiles. That's right. And um, as I said earlier, the enemy has plans for our children. The question is, do we? And some parents are actually purposely not naming or putting photos of their children online because they don't want their children to have a social online identity until they can make Old enough to be able to handle it. Yeah, yeah, yes. that's right. So, um, and so they're purposely um, not um, creating any digital footprint for their children, and that's interesting. Um, yeah. Because you Google your own name and see what comes up, it's interesting. Oh, it is, isn't it? <laughs> Pops up all over the place. Uh, yeah. And that's the, nature of, that's the nature of the internet these days, and I think that's very wise parenting. Um, I think that, you know, as we moved away from, you know, a whole bunch of practices that we used to see as normal, but as a result of abuse of children in churches, we've now moved away from those. We now need to move away from, you know, posting up photos of our children online because those photos are most likely going to be abused somewhere. Um, and it's just something that is a very simple thing not to do. As you say, print them out on a, on a, on a printer, take them, you know, somewhere, get hard copies of them, make a scrapbook. Yeah, I put photos of my chooks online. That's how far as I go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
and, and, and making a scrapbook, of course, that's something you can do with your kids. It's, it's, that's right. Here's the thing. Um, the antidote for the enemy's plans, which is what this online activity is doing to our kids, the antidote is um, family time, whether it's slow meals or um, long drives and a chat or hikes and a chat outdoors or board games, which brings a family together, they are the antidotes. And kids will naturally gravitate to relationship. If we as parents take time to be with our kids, kids don't want to be in their bedrooms online. So, yeah, being in that space, parent, especially in the teenage years, and you will grow great teens and teens. Darren Pratt, thank you so much for joining us here on Faith FM this morning to talk about uh, children and social media. Thank you, Lyle. We're going to be back after this song, then the 8 o'clock news. We'll be back with Encounter with God. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.